So that's my cue to start. There you go. Okay, hang on one sec. All right, good evening. Today is Wednesday, January 4th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the relationship chapters, and our speaker tonight is Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm Ingrid, compulsive overeater and bulimic, and gratefully living in a recovered state today. Thank you, Eileen, for asking me to share tonight. Um, this is my first time participating in this meeting. I'm a little nervous, just going to be honest about that. Um, so I know I'm supposed to talk about the, the relationship chapters. I just thought I would start with a little bit about, um, you know, what things were like for me. Um, I came back to OA uh, in March of this year. Um, and that was after being out of the rooms for 10 years. Um, I did not know I was in relapse. Um, I was in OA prior to that. Um, I had some abstinence. I think I had close to five years um, of abstaining from bulimia, the exercise bulimia, the laxatives, um, abstaining from sugar. And um, I don't I don't think I was fully surrendered. Um, I was still eating like sugar substitutes. Um, and so therefore I was like, you know, the the double whammy, the, the allergy and the obsession of the mind um, as it's talked about um, in the doctor's opinion. And so I heard a fellow share that relapse is like the steps in reverse. And that's exactly what happened to me as I, pulled away from the program. I stopped sponsoring. I didn't pray and meditate as much, stopped taking inventory, you know, resentments built. And, um, you know, when the big book talks about this disease being progressive and we only get worse over time, never better. That was for sure my story. And I think one of the reasons why I didn't know I was in relapse is because my disease looked so different. So I wasn't in the gym for hours. I wasn't, you know, using laxatives and diet pills. And what I was doing was grazing all freaking day and getting high off of my foods all day and justifying that with like, oh, it's just a little of this, a little of that. And um, I just kind of imagine it, like imagine an IV drip hooked up to me and I was just numbing myself all day. And I got to this point where um, I could not function. And um, I didn't want to necessarily end my life, but going on living the way that I was living was unbearable. Um, and so thankfully with outside help, I had a therapist who was familiar with 12 steps. And I told her that I used to be in this OA, she pointed out I was in relapse. And that's kind of like when I was like, oh crap, I'm in relapse. And I came back and thankfully, thankfully today, um, I um, have been abstinent for just over nine months. Um, I abstain entire abstinence um, from sugar, from sugar, like sugar-free stuff, the substitutes, the all my alcoholic foods I cannot have. Um, and, and as a result of that, of putting down the food, getting a sponsor, working the steps, um, I, you know, today I'm living in a recovered state and um, it's nothing short of a miracle that there's food neutrality for me. Like I, I 
would hear people share about it. And I was like, what does that even mean? How does that happen? And it is, it is a promise. Um, it, it's, it's a miracle. Um, so I am grateful for that. Um, and then just how I work the program. I pray and meditate daily. I weigh and measure my food. Um, I sponsor, I make outreach calls. I don't make outreach calls every day now, but I do make them frequently throughout the week. Um, and I just, I live this program as if my life depends upon it because it does. And the relationship with my higher powers is the most important thing for me. Um, and as a result of working this program, I've released 60 pounds. Um, I was almost 300 pounds, could barely get up the stairs, um, would frequently run out of breath and elevated blood pressure, all the you know issues that come as a result of, of this disease. Um, so the family afterward, um, I guess I'll just start off on page 122 um, in the last paragraph um, that starts with, says cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained abnormal condition. A doctor said to us years of living with an alcoholic or compulsive overeater is almost sure to make any wife, partner, or child neurotic. And, you know, I thought of this disease as being a disease that only affects me. Um, I really didn't see how my food addiction impacted my family. And it wasn't until I had done an inventory and really started to look at my character defects and how this disease really played out. Um, I'm married, I have two adult children now, um, you know, and I just thought like, well, I'm the one gaining the weight. I'm the one that's depressed and anxious. I'm the one with the imposter syndrome. You guys are fine. Um, this has nothing to do with anyone else. And as I look back at it, I absolutely have created an abnormal condition in my own household. And the way that that has looked, you know, like in my marriage, I mean, thank God my husband is a loving, caring and forgiving person. Um, but things like not being intimate, withholding sex, um, you know, being like resentful when I have to take care of my family, you know, like, don't you say I'm making dinner for all of you. You should all be like thanking me and, um, you know, withdrawing, isolating. Um, I have kids that, you know, were active in sports and other extracurricular activities. And it was like, I felt like I had this dual personality, right? So like, there was the part of me that would show up for the parent meetings and be the Girl Scout leader and look how great I am. Meanwhile, I'm eating all the Girl Scout cookies and I got to pay everything back. And, you know, um, I'm resentful or jealous of other mom, compare and despair, like just in this place where I couldn't be fully present. There's, and, you know, while I didn't, typically when I think of acting out, like I think of like lashing out on someone, right? Like, oh, I didn't do that, but I did. I, I hurt, I hurt my 
hindered, hurt, hindered my relationship with my two daughters because that mom couldn't fully be there for them because I was obsessed with my body. I was comparing and despairing. So yeah, that creates an abnormal condition. And, um, you know, this disease is one for me that I hide and you know, sneak food and all that kind of stuff. And so I didn't think anyone really knew. And, you know, today I, I look at my two daughters and, you know, one is struggling with overeating. Did she get that for me? I don't know. I can't say that's not for me to figure out. I'm not her higher power. I have shared OA with my two girls and my journey and why I'm here. And um, frankly, I got really tired of pretending. So this time when I came back, it was like, I got real and with my husband and with my two daughters. I have a problem with food. I have a problem with sugar. What does that mean? What does that look like for you guys? If I take one freaking bite, I'm off to the races. I'm not going to come back from it. I, um, like I said in the beginning, just the depression and the anxiety, it was paralyzing. And um, I was paranoid of people at work. I thought people were out to get me. I mean, it was just, it was bad. Um, and so I had to stop pretending that mom was okay um, because I wasn't. Um, and so this, this disease, no, it doesn't just affect me. It, it affects the people um, that I love. And, um, you know, as I work through this program and read and write and keep going through this material, I start to remember incidents. And um, I'm generally a calm person. Like that's just my sort of demeanor. Um, and inside I'm raging. Like on the outside, you're going to see a calm person, right? Like composed at work and friendly and, you know, but inside I hate your guts or, you know, like I'm comparing myself to what you're doing and what your successes are. But anyway, I did have a, I had a, I had a moment where I freaking lost it. And I think only the people on in this Zoom room or fellow compulsive overeaters can understand this story. And I lost my shit when my husband wouldn't give me one grape. I literally flew off the handle. I tried to reach in his bowl, which was my thing. Your food was my food. So I'm going to eat, you know, from your plate and completely disrespect any boundaries, not ask for, you know, can I have your food? So I went to reach for a grape and he and I can laugh at it today. And he's like, no. And I said, what the fuck? Give me a great, like I lost it over a freaking great. And it didn't start there. So I continue going off on my husband. I hop in the car. I leave the house. I go like do some retail therapy over a great. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So um, yeah, abnormal conditions that um, under my roof that are um, being repaired today. Um, on one twenty-three in the second paragraph, 
um, it starts in the middle, it says, but the head of the house has spent years in pulling down the structures of business, romance, friendship, health. These things are now ruined or damaged. It will take time to clear away the wreck. The old buildings will eventually be replaced by finer ones. The new structures will take years, excuse me, to complete. And like, for me, this is just a reminder that, cause I want, I want like quick results, right? Like that's diet, quick result, you know? Um, and I at first wanted, and still sometimes today want quick results from this program. And what this tells me is that it takes years. Like I, I haven't even reached a year of abstinence and, um, you know, I can't expect that, um, you know, my, the, I still struggle at times, like, right. With, with intimacy, with letting others in. I, um, I try to show up and be a good friend. My health is recovering. Am I fully, you know, recovered from the damage that I've caused to my body? No, not yet, but it's in, it's in progress. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've spent years like tearing down these structures, my marriage, my um, relationship with my girls. And, um, you know, I feel like things are headed in the right direction one day at a time. I uh, do the best that I can to be available, to show up, to express love, to express appreciation. Um, I do have a really good relationship with my daughters um, and they have been forgiving. Um, and, you know, like when I made amends to them, they were like, no, mom, no, you, you're a great mom. And I think any kid would say that they're not gonna be like, you're terrible. You know, you ruined me. Like, I don't expect to hear that from them. Um, and, you know, they're in my, they're in God's hands. Like if, anything, any acting out on my part or not showing up or isolating or withdrawing has impacted them. I just, I have to leave that in God's hands and just trust that if I continue to do this work one day at a time and continue to like make self-sacrifice and be of service to my family that hopefully, you know, in time, the relationship will continue um, to heal and um, be repaired. Um, which leads me to on page 20, 127, which talks about um, self-sacrifice um, and service. In the second paragraph, since the home has suffered more than anything else, it is well that a man or person exert themselves there. He is not likely to get far in any direction if he fails to show five minutes. Thank you. Unselfishness and love under his own roof. And that like really hits home for me because I'm a selfish person. Um, and I've spent as someone who like wants validation external validation. So I've spent a lot of time like in education and trying to climb the career ladder and 
um, in other ways, like outside of my, my home. And there's been neglect here. And so because it's not, it's unnatural to me to like serve my home first, because in my selfish nature, I want people to take care of me. I, you, why am I doing all the work? You guys should be taking care of me. You know, like I have to do this whole, like just stream of consciousness on Mother's Day this past year, which was like really, really early in my abstinence because I would spend time thinking about what I wanted, not express it to anyone and expect them to do exactly what is in my head. And if they fall short of that, then I'm going to be resentful. And it's like, no, today I have to, and thankfully a previous sponsor taught me this. It's like, you need to list five things that you're going to do for others today. And two need to be for your husband. And then like, you know, one for each child. And so, you know, my kids are adult, one's away at college and one's on her own, but I have to do that, like that sort of intentional work every day, just to be unselfish. Like my default is to be selfish. And so um, unselfishness and love under my roof. I work on that every day and I am by no means perfect at all. Um, so there's parts of this, um, the family afterward that talks about like cheerfulness and laughter and how important that is, um, you know, in our, for our fellowship. And so when I, when I first read the family afterward, um, I reached out to my sponsor on this paragraph and I'll just close with this because I was, it was a moment for me to laugh at myself. Um, and it's at the bottom of page 133. One of the many doctors who had the opportunity of reading this book in manuscript form told us that the use of sweets was often helpful, of course, depending upon a doctor's advice. He thought all alcoholics should constantly have chocolate available for its quick energy at times of fatigue. He added that occasionally in the night a vague craving rose would be satisfied by candy. Many of us have noticed a tendency to eat sweets and have found this practice beneficial. So I reached out to my sponsor and I said, you know, I told her I didn't appreciate her not being fully transparent about what was in the big book, because clearly it says here that chocolate is okay. And that if I have cravings in the middle of the night, that it could be satisfied <laughs> by candy. And so we just had a moment of like laughing at that because like in my disease, like when I was I needed to use like logic or needed to use information written to prove, like to make an argument, to prove a point to someone, I would have gone to this. I would have ignored the doctor's opinion, like the allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. And I would have been like, but right here, it says that I can do this and why can't I? And then just like fight on that, like insanity. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful today that um, I don't have to fight. And um, if my sponsor makes a suggestion, I do it. I clearly, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I ended up in these rooms. And, um, you know, I, I just the willingness 
to do whatever it takes to um, to stay in recovery is just where I want to be and where I am today. And I want to be on a daily basis. It's not always perfect. Um, and, you know, that's why I just have to continue showing up, continue like the meetings, the prayer meditation, um, the nightly reviews. I have a nightly review partner where I just got to get honest about this stuff. I'm honest about who I am and what my struggles are. So um, anyway, thanks for letting me share and being of service tonight. Thank you, Ingrid. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter uh, and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Um, Lisa, would you continue to set a timer for three minutes? and announce when time is up. Awesome, thank you. And if Ingrid is asked a question, we'll also allow uh, three minutes for her answer. All right, let's see, we have Chris first. Go ahead, Chris. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Chris M. I'm a compulsive overeater from Canada, um, recovered for today. So um, this is my first time on this meeting and uh, I feel like my higher power led me here. And Ingrid, thank you so much for your share. It's like you were saying my whole story with everything and related so much to um, your experience with your kids and your husband as well. So thank you so much for your honesty. Um, I do have a question. Um, you had mentioned about your sponsor um, suggesting that every day you do five things of service and two um, specifically um, for your husband. And um, I think that's so fantastic, such a great idea. So I'm wondering like how, how, how that has kind of worked and um, like, the impact, I guess, that it's had like for you and with your relationships. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, the first impact is it just helps me to get out of myself to like not be selfish because I can easily go into autopilot and just expect my husband to be on board with it. Um, and I mean, sometimes it seems it seems really silly, but it'll be like, I'm going to tell my husband that I love him and I appreciate him today, right? Like just something as simple as that. It doesn't, and I do, like I, genu I genuinely feel that way. I do, I just don't express it because I'm all in here. I'm thinking about me, me, me. Um, and so that, what I see in my husband is like less of a guard up and just, Sorry. As I started to recover, 
I could see that he was like softening up and less guarded and like smiles on his face, right? Like he's such an incredible man and who is like naturally um, happy and outgoing for the most part. And when he was not in that space, there were times that I contributed to that. And so to see that difference, then that then helps our bond even more. So that's the impact it's had. Thank you. Okay, um, Cheyenne, Cheyenne, is that right? Mm -hmm. All right, you're next. Hi, um, thank you so much for that amazing share, Ingrid. Um, that was just so profound. Your um, humility and, and vulnerability were just so meaningful. Um, and I especially appreciated the, the story about the grape. Um, I just can relate to that so much. I was just laughing like, oh my God, that's such a perfect example of how crazy I can get related to food and um, weight and everything it was just, so I really appreciated that. And then the, the selfishness that some other fellows have touched on too, the, the, the story about how you counteract your selfishness um, was really helpful, um, a specific thing. Selfishness is my number one character defect and it basically is with me all day, every day and everything I do. And it's um, it's finding like specific ways to, to counteract that are, is kind of challenging. And so that was a really new one to me. So I'm going to um, put that into practice as part of my program starting tomorrow. So um, thank you so much for that. And just a really vulnerable, warm share that I just could relate to so much with that, just with humor and love and um, just meant a lot. So thank you so much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Cheyenne. Okay, Rosa, you're next. Hi, thank you so much for your sharing, Greg. Uh, I'm Rosa, compulsive overeater in Denver, Colorado. Um, I This is the first time I've, I've really heard the topic of, of relatives and you know families brought up um, in OA. And I guess my first question is, uh, did you at any point have your um, partner or one of your children in like in a non-program or did they ever pursue that? Um, I'm just wondering, I have a partner who I'm with who, you know, I, I understand my disease has impacted him in ways I don't even know yet because I haven't gotten to that portion of the steps, but I'd be curious to hear if you have any experience with that. I do not have experience with that. None, my, neither my kids or husband are in a, a non-program. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you. And Maureen, you're next. Hello, uh, can you hear me? Yes, okay. ma'am. Um, oh, good, thank you. Um, yeah, I really appreciated, Ingrid, your talk, especially about the family stuff. Um, growing up as a kid, I would, my dad would always eat off of our plates. We would have a meal, five families, five, five people in the family. We'd all fill our plates and he'd be like, are you gonna eat that? Are you gonna eat, and he'd take stuff he takes stuff off our plate. So I always felt like I was in such a hurry or I had to protect my plate and get everything I could from the table because dad ate everything and, and he ate a lot and he was a compulsive overeater like myself. And he was a sugar, a complete sugar addict. And, but he burned it off. He wasn't a heavy, you know, he was stocky, but, but I eat like, I ate like him and learned to eat like that. And to, I totally understood the grape story because 
you know, when your parents do that to you, you do that to other people. And I really wish I would have taken notes when you were talking, because there's so many things that uh, resonated with me. Um, I just, I appreciate your honesty and how relating to family members. And I've been more honest with um, people in general saying they offer me like a beverage, like champagne for a brunch or something. I said, I can't have, well, it's just non-alcoholic. I said, I can't do sugar drinks. It'll set me off. I'll eat everything in this room. So I've been just more honest about what it does to me. I can't have gluten. No, I won't have that, but thank you. Um, and just being honest about it. I used to feel bad about it and just eat it and just keep my, you know, just not feel like I was being rude, but it's not being rude. You're being honest about what's healthy for yourself. Um, so, and I appreciate the dynamic too, about when you talked about the self-centeredness about why can't they read my mind? Why isn't anybody paying attention to me and meeting my needs right now? But I never said it, you know, I may, um, so, oh my gosh. And and I still struggle with those things, but I'm more aware of them and I pray about it more. Uh, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Maureen. Okay, Lisa. Hi, everybody. My name is Lisa, and I am a compulsive overeater, stress eater, emotional eater, sugar addict. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Ingrid, for your um, your share. I could um, I really like your qualification and how you uh, talked about the just justification during your relapse. Um, and the denial is you didn't even realize you were in relapse. And I don't know, you talked about, I don't know if that was the time you were 300 pounds or if it was before the first time you got abstinence, but you know, the denial, I listen to people who have relapsed and share about their relapse because, you know, that scares me. You know, this is, um, I've been coming around here since um, last October, not this past October, a year ago. And I, I now have um, 122 days of abstinence and it just, you know, I treasure that time and I don't want to lose it. So I do appreciate when people do share so I can be aware of, you know, the little things that cause us, you know, it's the little things that are going to cause us to go out. The big things I can usually handle, but those little ways that our disease comes in. Um, and I like living in a recovered state. I love that. <laughs> I hadn't heard that before yet. I've been in recovery and in, in, um, in AA for over 30 years. And, um, that I really liked living in a recovered state instead of recovered or, um, and, and the thing you talked about the sweets, you know, <laughs> I really, you know, I had food issues when I was younger, um, before I got sober, but after I got sober, I really believe that's when my disease picked up. Cause I, I just switched addiction. I, I started eating the sweets because, you know, it, like you said, it was a little, <laughs> that's what they suggested you do to, you know, because you're, because alcohol is all sugar. And then when you take that out, you're withdrawing from sugar. And I found another way to escape. And um, it took me a long time to get here. A lot of, you know, fighting the denial. Um, and your grape story, gosh, how many times I have gone off the handle over something so so simple as just a grape. You know, I, I have very similar stories. and. Um, the insanity. And I'm glad that I'm not the only one that freaks out over things like that and, and goes into a frenzied state. Um, I know I'm around other people when I laugh at things like that, you know. Um, 
I just uh, thank you for your share. And um, that's about all the time I have. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa. All right, Andrea. Hi, Andrea in Ohio. Thank you, Ingrid, for your beautiful share. Um, I really, I really could resonate with a lot of what we're talking about, especially um, like the selfishness part. Um, it is definitely not in my nature to, I mean, I don't love to admit that, but like, I'm not just like a naturally nurturing and like all about you. Like I hear people come in the program and say like, um, you know, I always put everyone first. And I mean, that just wasn't me. I put myself first and, um, you know, I have a 20 year old son and an eight year old daughter and, um, my son, you know, had to see me do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and my daughter to a lesser extent, but it's just so, um, you know, I guess I'm just, I'm always, I'm always, uh, in this moment trying to just live the best life I can for, you know, my family and for others, but, um, to like be an example and, um, uh, a list of five things that you're going to do for others today. I love that. Um, I've gone, I've done something similar to that, not consistently, but, um, specifically for my husband, because as a, as an amends, um, do something of service for him every day. And when I'm doing that, our relationship is great. It's just so crazy how that works. Um, and you know, but when I'm, when I'm not doing that, you know, he'll get off a day of like a, a long day of work, like a very long day and I'll have the day off and he'll walk in and I'll go, Hey, will you rub my feet? And he'll be like, what the hell? I mean, I'm like, what? I want my feet rubbed. I mean, like that is my nature. Take care of me, do for me. Um, and so I really need to like do a lot of intentional work to get out of that because that place for me to just like live in my self-centeredness is me sitting on the couch watching Netflix, eating boxes and boxes and boxes of whatever. Like that's what my selfishness gets me. So I need to not live in that space. And actually it feels really, really good to not live in that space and to live a life of service and thinking about others. Um, I received something in the mail. I ordered these books. I was going to keep one for me and one for a friend um, to give as a gift. And when I got them both. I was like looking at which one is better. I'm going to keep the better one because they're like journals. And, um, and I thought, no, I'm going to give her like the better one. And then the, with the other one, I'm meeting a friend for lunch tomorrow. I'm going to give my other friend the other one. So I'm not keeping either of them. And I'm really excited to give them these gifts. Um, it's just funny because remind you know, thank you. I, I probably would have just kept them both and hoarded them. And they would have sat over there with the thousands of other books I have, but, um, but anyway, with, with, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Andrea. We will now stop the recording. You got it? Okay, awesome. Um, for unrecorded questions or shares. All right. So let's see. Next is Enid. 